Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know what I want? <laughs> Not Samsung, Greg. Not Samsung. Not what? Not Samsung. Hey, that's pretty bad. It's not all the way bad, you know, because the Celtics are the better team. They're one of the best teams in the league, but also just the Raptors keep losing. And you can't stomach that kind of stuff for too long, especially since there was hope, since it it seems to spring eternal after the trade, but uh, that just hasn't been the case. To join me to talk about that game, Celtics versus Raptors, 105 for the Celtics, 96 for the Raptors, is our Celtics delegate, our Wizards delegate, Baker. Baker, how you doing? Uh, first thoughts after that game. Um, well, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking, Samson. And yeah. uh, first thoughts of this game, uh, very, very ugly, you know, to start and, uh, you know, probably to finish as well. But, uh, you know, very grimy game. Um but uh, you know, I'm a very, very good win for Boston. Um, I thought defensively was really the the calling card for this game. Um, totally. you know, just switching up the coverages, going from zone to man, from man to zone. You know, really just putting the Raptors half court offense in flux. And um, you know, that was kind of what turned the tide in this game. You know, offensively, you know, they were okay. Um, they were able to just um get by. You know, sixteen to thirty nine from three will definitely help. And mm-hmm. uh, all all five of your starters and double figures, um, yeah. So uh, it was a very grimy game. You know, credit for the Raptors for you know not giving up. You know, there are certain stretches of that game where it could have got out of hand, but you know they they kind of buckled down, forced some turnovers, got themselves back in this game. But uh, you know, a, a good win for Boston. Can you um, kind of walk me through as far as you know the the zone with Drew Holiday in the middle? Uh, why you thought that was effective in this game? It's so, it's it's a new wrinkle, obviously, because you know last year I don't I don't think they played a a ton of zone, and you know this season, especially these the past couple weeks, you know they've kind of just incorporated him in the zone with just him being the free safety, him communicating to everybody, like telling them where they go, and then you know it's just like it's just it's causing a lot of problems, and it's very um it's very weird because, you know, you're not used to having a guard in the middle, you know, kind of just the, you're just like playing free safety. Usually it's a wing or a big, but um, he's so versatile. He's so smart. And, um, you know, the zone definitely worked today, you know, got the Raptors out of their comfort zone. Um, A lot of, you know, hesitancy, whether to shoot, whether to pass. And, uh, you know, in that third quarter, when I thought Boston came out flat, you know, I thought their defense really, really buckled down and that zone really helped them out to, like, you know, come up with his win. Taco and Nacho Battle Channel says, I'm convinced if Steph played for the Raptors, he'd shoot 34%. <laughs> um, a quick stat for anybody. So the Raptors were four of 32 on threes tonight. This is via Blake Murphy. 
This is only the 17th time in NBA history a team shot that poorly on 32 or more threes, and only one team, the Harden Arrow Rockets, has won a game like that ever. It also tops the 6 of 42 against Heat Zone from 2019-20 as worst three-point shooting night in Raptors history. So we're dealing in some unprecedented areas for the Raptors, and what we just talked about, that zone is kind of a big deal for that because they got to play the zone a bunch. Playing Drew in the middle is a great way to quarterback, to pressure the ball handling of bigs who catch in the middle of the zone, and to also make sure that for the Raptors who are playing like a couple small guards in Dennis and IQ, if they want to enter the ball middle, they have larger players on them on the perimeter. This makes everything feel more crowded. This makes those like middle entry passes way more difficult. The bounce pass isn't as accessible as you might think it is because it's not a big in the middle of the zone. It's Drew Holiday hunting that bounce. He can kind of shoot the gap if that happens. He can pressure the catch of like Scotty or Pascal in the middle. And so all that stuff is happening when they go middle. And then obviously just I think IQ and Dennis had a tough time finding, especially Pascal and Scotty in the middle. And then on top of that, too, you have an uncharacteristic night from both Scotty and Pascal. And Pascal, obviously, the biggest deal is that, you know, he goes 0 of 6 from downtown. He had, I think he was 30 of his last 58 from downtown. So on a really hot shooting streak over 18 games, he goes 0 for 6 tonight. A couple rimmed out, but some really bad misses. And even within that, too, a couple of those faders in the middle of the court that he typically can hit a few of, you know, we saw there's been games against the Celtics where he's hit a lot of those. That's been the bread and butter of their offense, especially in clutch time. He didn't really make those. Scotty, unfortunately, left stuff on the rim, too. So the Raptors are relying largely on, like, Emmanuel quickly shot-making, R.J. Barrett shot-making, and Dennis Schroeder knifing into the lane towards the end. But they aren't able to rely on Pascal and Scotty to kind of lift them out of the doldrums. You know, 17 for Pascal, 10 for Scotty, 4 assists for Pascal, 2 for Scotty. It's That's tough. You know, I, I know that's the meme, is that I say that's tough, but... Baker, like, what were your thoughts from the other side of the court? Are you like, hell yeah, we're locking these dudes up? Yeah, um, I thought the defense today was, like, exceptional, um, uh, especially because, you know, offensively they weren't able to get it, get it going um, like they usually do. You know, missing Jalen Brown, you know, he's really the tone setter of this team. You know, he kind of gets, like, in the first quarter, in the third quarter, he kind of just hunts his own shot, he gets it going, and then everybody just kind of just picks it up from there. But, uh, you know, not having him today – you know, kind of like, you know, had the offense in a bit of a stall. Um, but, you know, luckily, you know, Derek White, Drew Holiday, those guys are just so good. Like, yep. you know, they're just like able to just. Uh, that is the third game in a row that Derek White has been like the Grim Reaper down the stretch against the Raptors. Yeah, he, he, hit the, he hit the game winner in the other one. Yeah. And he hit the three in the corner where the Raptors messed up their coverage yeah. in the in the play in tournament game. The Raptors first one they played. And in this game too, he banged that corner three. Yeah, this guy. Is this? He's just he's just money, man. And also the game in Boston, he hits the step back three. That was kind of like a little like you know you could say it was a little lucky, but you know he had some clutch buckets down that game too. So um, he's been he's been very he's been very good for this team. You know, um, Drew Holiday probably one of his best games of the season, um, both both yep. offensively and defensively. When the Raptors made their runs, he made a lot of big shots um hitting crucial threes um and then you he, know, he uh, made many threes as the raptors there yeah. you go you know yeah <laughs> like that. 
exactly. So um, just having a backcourt as reliable as those two is very, is very, um, it's very, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big blessing because, you know, when you, when Jason Tatum has like a seven, shoots, goes seven for 19, you know, and Kristaps Porzingis only takes six shots, like that's just like, and you can lean on those two guys to, you know, pick up the scoring load. Like that's a very big, like, that's a very big uh, thing to lean on. And, you know, it's, it's very nice to have. But yeah, um, I credit their defense. I think this was a very much defensive minded game from start to finish, you know, because yeah. obviously their offense was not like it was not clicking at all today. So um, credit to them for locking down, locking down the floor. Yeah. And but yeah, that's pretty that's pretty much it. Yeah, there's a, a comment from Lil Yo-Yo that says, do you think tonight was more about dead legs of the Raptors or the Raptors just can't shoot or tired? I think that the Raptors have been overperforming their jump shots a little bit lately because you're getting like Pascal Siakam is not a 9% shooter like during his worst stretch this season, but he's not a 60% three-point shooter like 30 for 58, which is a huge run. That's yeah. like almost, you know, that's like a quarter, a fifth of the season almost of a sample size. It's a really big run. Good for him, but he's not that level of shooter. By the end of the season, maybe he's hanging around like 34, 35%. RJ Barrett, maybe like 36, 37. They were getting like 50 plus percent from these guys over the last handful of games. But you also in this game, as we talked about with the zone and also playing a lot of gapping in the in the in-between during like these man possessions, um, you have Pascal and Scotty having a tough time navigating that middle area. You're not getting the regular points you get out of the mid-range. The stuff that they usually get at the rim is not coming as frequently. So they didn't have that backup, that counter as a salve in this game. So, you know, Mel says Pascal is checked out. That's a comment here. I don't, I think this is just like bad shooting. Um, I think Pascal, like actually, um, I, I've said on the last however many podcasts that Pascal, his low man defense has actually been really toothless for a lot of games so far this season. But I thought defensively, like, he he was he was he did well enough in this game. He was part of good defensive units. The Raptors as a whole, I think, actually played very impressive defense tonight. So I don't think he's checked out because he didn't shoot well from the floor. The same way that I don't think Scotty's checked out because he only scored ten points. I think sometimes you know the shots don't drop in. Now there's un- other indicators that everybody can keep looking for, but I don't think that's that there's a strong correlation there. Defensively, I think that the Raptors did a really good job of making it tough on the Celtics. I think they had a really good mix of the coverages that they threw at Jason Tatum. Seven for 19 is nothing that Jason Tatum doesn't want to talk about this game. He had the two big dunks and those like the one is off of like RJ Barrett gets caught up on a screen, right? The other one, he gets past Pascal Siakam in isolation on the wing and like the two big dunks, they punctuate. And so you're like, damn, he's like, he's going off, but he scored 19 points and Baker just popped out of the chat. So For anything else, Um, welcome back, Baker. But Tatum only scored 19 points. And when you look at Derek White as well, Derek White is 7 for 18 overall, 5 of 11 from 3. He couldn't get anything inside the arc. I thought that the Raptors, as a whole, they rotated to the ball pretty quickly. They put a lot of help out there, and they protected the paint as best they could. But the the bad part about that is, like, if Drew Holiday and Derek White are going to be banging threes, then there you go. Yeah, so, yeah, so they great. Threw, yeah, they threw a lot of double teams, a lot of traps um, at Tatum, Porzingis. You know, I got I got Porzingis out of his out of his game a little bit. He had six turnovers, 
So, uh, you know, they were able to just uh, discombobulate him a little bit. And uh, I thought Tatum had, like, I thought this wasn't as one of his best games, but I felt like that third quarter when, you know, it started to get a little, get away from them a little bit, he kind of settled in. He had, he had those two dunks, he had a layup, um, and, you know, he kind of was able to get by Chris Boucher, nice dump off past the Luke Cornette, you know, that, yep. little, that little stretch got their offense flowing and it kind of just reinvigorated the defense a little bit because, you know, from the six minute period to the end of the third, like the Raptors didn't score a point. So, so, um, it's small stretches that he he was he was able to display his brilliance, but uh, yeah, they, the Raptors did a really good job, you know, defending him, you know, getting getting him out of his comfort zone, you know, sending traps, um, you know, and also Porzingis only six shots today, but you know he was able to get to the line a lot. Um, so you know, overall, you know, they played a really good defensive game. It's just you know their offense was uh, very anemic, you know, and especially in the second half. So. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know, this is a this is a this is a very uh, defensive minded game. Um, you know, this is probably the best the best uh, game the Raptors have played defensively in a while. Um, because, you know, they yeah, because like they haven't really been uh, buckling down on the road mm-hmm. trip and uh, even before the trade. So uh, this is probably their best defensive effort um, so far. Yeah, this is just to reiterate something I said at the top of the podcast. Coco says we're also less than 500 team playing a team at the top of the league. Yeah, like the Celtics are the better team. If the Raptors won this game, that would have been massive, even without Jalen Brown, because also the Raptors are missing Jakob Pertl and Gary Trent Jr. And Jakob Pertl obviously helps with a lot of defense, and some of that stuff on the inside, like the zone, may not have worked as effectively being able to go to Jakob Pertl in the zone, then work more high lows off of him, because then, you know, he's he's a lot bigger. It's It's going to be tougher for drew to bother him up top because he doesn't have to put the ball down low there's like different avenues that they could have gone there but also jalen brown the way that the raptors were rotating so heavily towards guys on ball and you know trying to get back off of it he could have made a killing as well i know sometimes he can be like he can catch and hold but he can also like make a killing when the defense is tilted away from him this raptors team you know now three and five since the trade was originally three and one, has lost four in a row. You know, the last game was the evil pizza party. People are still looking for this singular, like positive pizza party. But I want to talk about something positive as we've been, you know, you've been positive for the Celtics, but we're going to talk positive for the Raptors. RJ Barrett, let's do it, man. What do you think? You've seen a lot of him on the Knicks. What do you think about him on the Raptors? He's played really well, man. Um, He's played a lot better than I would think because, you know, his end, the end of his next stint, he wasn't really playing his best ball. You know, he started well during the seat in the beginning of the year, but, you know, he wasn't able to just find his, that consistency like he did in the first like 10 to 15 games. But, you know, today he, if he, if he hits like maybe, if he goes maybe two for four in this game from three instead of 0 for four, like, you know, this is a, a really good game and they probably are in position to win this game or, at least you know make it make it a more a little bit more interesting. So uh, his his attack his he's attacking the rim really well. He's getting to the left hand whenever he wants. Yeah. Um. You know uh, the mid range is there. You know just around the rim he's been really good. And I thought defensively you know he had his moments today, um as well. So uh you know it's a very he's been very uh, comfortable to start. And you know maybe because he's home you know <laughs> maybe because he's he's home he's eating osmos. <laughs> um, 
uh, in Toronto. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, he's he's been really good, you know. That and uh, also, um, you didn't mention him, but Emmanuel quickly has been really good too. Um, yep. So this trade has looked um, has, has looked very positively, you know. Even though you, you give up like OG, but uh, he's been way better than I thought, and I think uh, you know moving forward, he's going to be very very good. 10 made shots in the paint tonight. This is kind of the thing. Like I see in the chat, people are talking about, you know, RJ being inconsistent in the past, all that kind of stuff. But the thing that's a little bit different about RJ currently is that, and, you know, you can appeal to, I'll be doing the Strickland podcast with, you know, it's like a Knicks. They cover the Knicks over there later on this week. But Knicks fans say like, oh, we haven't seen this from RJ before. Like the current stretch he's having, yes, he's had, you know, inconsistent runs of play, good, you know, good stretches. But a lot of that was tied to his three-point shooting. The fact that he can go out there and have like 24 points on 19 shots in a game like this because he's getting into the lane with a live dribble, because he's cutting off the ball actively, because he's making good reads off of second side actions, and he's making stuff at the rim, I think is a huge indicator like that this is positive progression because of some shot making, sure, but also because of decision making that elevates his skills. I've talked about this on many podcasts so far, but a guy who seems to have like a real finishing package, who has strength for sure, and can get to the rim with a live dribble, but just isn't finishing there has been below average every year of his career. How do you think you can make those things elevate with a role change and a context change? And he's just been phenomenal. You know, somebody made the joke that they said RJ Barrett, number one option. I mean, when I looked at, you know, granted, it's been three or two games since I put out the touches and usage percentages. But as far as touches on the Raptors since the trade two games ago, it went Scotty, IQ, Dennis, Jakob, Pascal, RJ. Neither Pascal or RJ have had that much of the ball. Pascal had a decent amount. RJ had a decent amount tonight. But like they're they're just taking advantage of when they get it a lot recently. And with Pascal, that was happening before the trade happened. And with RJ, it obviously just happened after the trade. There's we can't talk about him on the Raptors until he's there. He's been so impressive in the decisions he makes, like especially when the Celtics are stunting. And st- stunts affect me as a player. Stunts affect NBA players. It's like a guy is suddenly like filling the gap where you wanted to attack. And RJ is like making the right read when, hey, I have a live dribble. A guy filled the lane. Okay, I have to pull it out, reset. Or there's a guy leaning. He looks like he's going to be there, but maybe it's a stunt. And he's saying like, I'm going to test it. And he just blows through him. Like you, if you want to get in the way of RJ, you have to come with conviction. And that's been really impressive is that like since teams are more in tune to Scotty and Pascal, the back end guys, they're kind of like, okay, we're, and even Emmanuel quickly, right? They're like, okay, we're going to see what happens. But RJ is like, you got to meet me with the same conviction. You'd meet a number one option. I might not be a number one option in the NBA, but I'm going to bring it to you. Like I'm trying to score every possession. So that is like extremely impressive. And the decision-making to me has been perfect. Uh, Pascal Siakam, you saw a bad game. I'm curious where you are on him and uh, just overall, Pascal, what you think happens at the trade deadline, all that good stuff. Um, you know, not his best game today. Uh, no. You know, the jump shot, jump shot wasn't going at all. You know, um, 
he kind of, you know, all the shots that he usually makes, they kind of just rimmed out today. Um, he had a he had a couple of, like turnarounds at the at the free throw line where like he usually makes them, but like um, you know, they just kind of just rimmed out. Um, but uh, you know, he had a lot of good looks today. You know, they just didn't go his way. So a very rough game for him, but uh, you know, nothing to worry about, honestly. He, he's still like he's still very good. Um, but uh overall, um I'm I'm curious to see like where they trade him because you know there are reports that they're gonna definitely move him before the deadline. So um I'm interested to see like where he goes um and you know what they get back for him. But um it's uh it's tough, you know, losing a player like that and you're probably not gonna get like the the requisite value that he should get. Um, because you know he he is on an expiring and you know he, there is uncertainty whether he'd resign in his new location. So um so yeah, it's it's a tough situation, you know, letting a player like that go. Um, and uh, you're probably gonna let him go for like not full market value than what he's sure. really worth. So, um, you know, he he's still really good. He's gonna help. He's gonna help whatever he, whatever team he lands on because you know he he provides such a need on both ends of the floor uh, that teams could could use that for sure. And um, but yeah, um, it's very tough, you know, because you know like if they had handled the situation like any differently, maybe like, you know, he's still on the team or uh, maybe instead of like, you know, 60 cents on the dollar, you're probably getting ad adequate to um, adequate to fair value for him. If you do end up trading him. Sure. And, and an interesting comment from Abu who says one foot out the door, not even pretending to defend at this point. I think this is interesting because I think like the, the half court performance from the Celtics in this game, was really poor. The Raptors had a really good defensive yeah. game and Pascal had good like defending sessions in isolation. He was playing against Porzingis. He made contact early. Porzingis didn't have a big rebounding game and Pascal was mostly in the right spots as a rotational guy. I don't think this was like this is the correct stance from this game. Now I've talked about in a lot of my coverage about Pascal's waning effort defensively, but I actually thought Pascal was quite good defensively tonight as was most of the Raptors, because again, the Celtics are a really good team and the Raptors played really strong half court offense. Now, some of the, the transition stuff was a little bit tough and that's a little bit juiced because of Drew Holiday banging threes late in the game. But I think like the half court stuff, you know, outside of like carrying the narrative, like I've heard this thing about this player, I'm going to say it. I think that like Pascal and the Raptors, they played some pretty damn good basketball. Now, of course, like, you know, Scotty got beat in isolation by Jason. You know, Boucher got beat. Pascal got beat. RJ gets stuck on a screen. Jason Tatum is incredible. He's going he's gonna to wriggle through a few times. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I, like, I know people are caught up on some talking points. But I think, like, the reason why the Raptors lost this game, and if you were wanting to blame Pascal, you can look at the 0 for 6 from 3 and say, we needed a better shooting performance. But the effort stuff and that kind of stuff, it does not sit on the defensive end of the floor. They brought their lunch pail in this game, like up and down the roster. Jonte Porter, it wasn't his best game. And, you know, he was overmatched, but he brought his lunch pail. Same thing with yeah. that. Same thing with Scotty. Same thing with Pascal. Like everyone up and down the roster, yeah, they yeah, brought it. Just, yeah. They just, they, just, yeah, they just also going. shot the lunch pail, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just like, <laughs> yeah. It was tough, man. Yeah. If you're, 
if you're like if you're losing the if you're losing the three point battle by like minus thirty six, then like you're not gonna you're not gonna win many games. Where where are you trying to make up that point differential? You know, like in your mind, where do you go? And you know what's kind of funny? They also lost the free throw battle by seven as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like there you go, man. Yeah. Um yeah, just let's talk about quickly, since I have you here. You said he had a good game. You've been impressed. It was like a bit of a volume shooting game, but the Raptors clearly you score 96 points. You're trying to get offense as often and from as many places as you can as you can possibly muster. What did you think about his response against like a Celtics defense that I think does a really good job of funneling guards, does a really good job of like paying attention to guards off ball? What are your thoughts on his performance? Um, I thought he was very uh, just yeah. I found it even though like he didn't um, he shot a lot of he put up a lot of shots today. I thought um, you know, he was aggressive. You know, he got to even the shots that he missed. You know, they were very good looks. You know, I think he had a three on the on the left on the right wing. He was like wide open. He just missed. No, that was a lot of the shots that the Raptors yeah. took today. It was a lot of shots that the Raptors took today that they could have easily made, but um. You know, overall, you know, he's just being aggressive. You know, he's getting a lot more opportunity um, on Toronto. So, uh, yeah, you know, even even though, like, the game itself, 8 for 20, 2 for 7 for 3. But, um, you know, I thought he was aggressive. You know, in transition, I thought he was, he was – he got out and ran very well. And, you know, he's just, like – he's just a weapon to use, like, if somebody collapses the defense and he's wide open for three. Like, that's, like, something that they haven't really had this season so like now they have somebody able to like um take advantage of the of the advantages that scotty and pascal can create and you know just having those play finishers like like rj and iq like it's it's a very big thing that's why their offense has like jumped incredibly since the trade and um you know they're shooting the ball well they're getting good shots even today like when the shots weren't even falling I thought today they generated a lot of good shots and, um, you know, they just didn't fall today. So, um, you know, he had a good game. Um, you know, surely you would like the efficiency to be better, but, you know, at the same time, you know, not everybody's making, you know, enough shots as, as it is. So, you know, you kind of have to, you know, sacrifice a little bit in volume. There's a, I think I have to go to my Twitter to find it and credit the person properly. But there is something happening with these Raptors and it constantly happens with teams that aren't, very good so it's from jason hudson says they just do not fail to disappoint every night we get glimpses but nothing ever sticks we're also missing leadership on the court too many passive guys i don't know as much about the passive guys but as far as like mentioning like we're getting glimpses but things aren't really sticking on a game where you manage to buckle down and play some defense the shooting doesn't translate and on the nights where you were when guys are banging threes and you have it going, you can't buckle down like you can look at a game like this at the end and you can throw your hands up and say, nobody's going to win this game if you shoot that bad from three. And you can say that and in a vacuum. That's a perfectly fine stance to take. But as far as. The fourth loss in a row. You're looking to find an identity and nothing really sticks game to game. And, you know, the hallmark of a good team is being able to win a lot of different ways. The hallmark of a bad team is being able to lose a lot of different ways. Raptors fans, you know, are well aware of what a really good team looks like. They just saw it in the Celtics, but you've also seen it in the recent past with these Raptors. It's Phoenix Play Z says this team isn't talented at the end of the day. 
you know, I think they're better, they're more talented than their record. I think they're underperforming it. But also, it's they're not a super talented team. They have to find an identity. They have to be cohesive. They have to work in lockstep and in unison with one another. And they're just not able to bring it night to night. The flashes are what you have to hold on to. And those flashes mostly for the future reside with Emmanuel Quickly, Scotty Barnes, RJ Barrett, Pascal Siakam. We'll see what happens with him. I had a long discussion with Lewis on the last Raptors weekly podcast. And, uh, you know, I came away from it saying, like, I think the probably the best case scenario for the Raptors is that Pascal is traded somewhere where he has a chance and that the Raptors get stuff back that they like. I don't know exactly how that shakes out, but that seems like the optimal outcome currently. And then the Raptors have the flexibility to try and build a team around Scotty and IQ going forward. And RJ, who has been so good that he makes you consider like he's not he's no longer just like a starter. But you say like, man, could this guy be a linchpin moving forward? That's the kind of thing. So it's uh, it's been tough. They are not able to get consistent effort every spot on the floor every night. On a night like this, you want to say, well, hey, they managed to do it. They competed against the Celtics, and maybe they come out next game and bring that defense again, and then they hit the triples. But it just as easily could be that they hit some triples and they defend like terrible again. That's kind of, it's tough, man. Yeah, it's very tough. Um, You know, it's the inconsistencies over and over, you know, since last year, even, you know, like there are stretches where like, you know, the defense is good, but you know, they, they can't score in the half court, but, uh, but, you know, and, you know, like they're hitting every three imaginable, but like they're going on the other end, they're allowing all the, any, there are a bunch of defensive gaps and guys are hitting wide open shots. Like it's just, you know, it's, 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 it's this and that it's the other and, you know, this and but like you know they haven't been able to just string both components you know for a stretch of games and you know for a while you know they've been they've been trying to just win on offense lately like um try to just outscore teams and you know it kind of worked for a little bit but then like you know defensively you know they're not uh, as sound at the point of attack and you know they're allowing guys to just get um comfortable on the perimeter and in the paint so um you know it's it's tough you know, if this team could just, you know, get what they did today and just like, like, just add it to what the success they've had on offense, this is a really good team. But, um, you know, they haven't been able to show that because, you know, they haven't just been able to find out, like, what is our identity? What is what we want to do every game? Like, what are we going to lean on when stuff gets tough? And, you know, when the games aren't, when the shots aren't hitting or like, you know, we're not getting getting good looks on offense like what are you going to lean on for your identity you know they've kind of struggled to find that you know once this team finds their identity like i feel like they'll they'll be really good yeah and an identity that will no doubt revolve around like at this point scotty and emmanuel quickly because pascal siakam is heavily involved in trade talks he's an expiring player and we'll see what happens um richard pilsky says it's going to be a long month with the siakam trade cloud hanging over us Certainly, there is a sect that is like looking, you know, wistfully at it and saying like, oh, I can't wait till it happens. New era, all that kind of stuff. Don't begrudge anybody. You're allowed to cheer for the team you like. And then there's a, you know, people who are maybe like saying, well, I wonder if they can make it work with Pascal, all that kind of stuff. He's a franchise icon. 
two camps. Well, there's a bunch of camps, but those are the two biggest, I, I suppose. And if anybody's interested, this is the a- advertisement time. Downtown Toronto, live podcast at Rivoli. Last year, we sold it out. You can go to raptorsrepublic.com and get your tickets. Myself and Louis Zatzman will be hosting the panels, but the panels will have a whole bunch of special guests. And we'll be talking February 6th, pre-trade deadline, live podcast. Last year was super awesome, was a total blast. A bunch of people came out, talked basketball amongst themselves, panel, Q&As, all that kind of stuff. And it was really, really fun. And I can't wait to do it again. And that's February 6th for anybody who is uh, who is interested. This team, man, I, re- I really wonder w- what kind of identity they find. Yeah. You look, you look at them, you say, and especially you look back at uh, Scotty at the start of the season. He's been a bit out of sorts defensively, being like put on the point of attack more often lately. And especially like he was awesome on the glass in this game, but he had been averaging less than four rebounds a game since the trade had happened. So as far as like that, I feel comfortable saying like Scotty, good defender. Okay, number one. IQ, I think definitely can be a good defender at the guard position, especially with the on-ball stuff. I feel that way. RJ, I don't think is there yet. Pascal, I don't think has been a good defender lately. We don't know what this team... I think Jakob is a good defender. He's had some ups and downs this season, but we don't really know what it looks like. But if you have a budding star in Scotty at the forward position who can do all the things that we know Scotty can do, he's been the best player on the team so far this year. You have Emmanuel Quickly who isn't like the type of guard who will just get completely run out of a playoff, you know, series, something like that. It's not like he's the world ending defender, but he won't get run off. That's a really strong place to start. I like that. They start there. How do you feel about starting there? Um, you know, uh, it's just starting with that. It's, it's a good start because, you know, you have a guard, you know, who's, who's, who has, you know, well, has stretches of good point of attack, um, you know, flashes and also can hit shots on the outside and also has some juice, you know, on pick and roll. Um, you know, also RJ Barrett, you know, he's a, you know, he's not there. He's not OG at the point of attack, but, you know, I think, you know, with more years and more training and more, uh, and more, um, experience under his belt, I think he could definitely mold himself into a, a decent, you know, point of attack defender. And also on offense, you know, he's been very good. You know, just um, just cutting and you know attacking the basket with his left, and you know, and also Scotty Barnes, who's been you know amazing this season. Um, if he can just like if he can take another step, maybe just add a few more wrinkles into his offensive game, and also you know, be a, a bit more, be a bit less aggressive at the point of attack. You know, be a little bit more like just give the defenders a little bit of a buffer. You know, try to use your length and athleticism, and don't try to like just press and uh try to just uh bother opposing defenders but um it's just um so at that point you know you have a good you have a good uh, mix of you know you have a point you have a point guard you have a two you have a three i think um if you want i think maybe just adding more uh, that adding a lot more spacing around this team could definitely help and you know hopefully you think grady can maybe turn the corner and just provide that you know fingers crossed but uh uh um, obviously, you know, the future is definitely bright. You know, if Scott, Scotty being good this quickly definitely makes, you know, everything, um, a yeah. lot more, um, 
a lot more um hopeful because uh you know if he's eight because year three he's he's looking like this you know who knows what the future is going to hold for you so um I think just continuing to just add players that fit next to him you know IQ and RJ Barrett are two very good um, pieces that fit around him and fit in his timeline so um can I can I, I ask you a question specifically from your point of view mm-hmm. Scotty when he has these quiet games like 10 points he had six points the other night from your point of view because you're watching Boston first. So a Raptors fan is going to look at this game and say, you know, focus on Scotty's point, his POV for this defensive offensive matchup. You're going to look at it from like, what are the Celtics doing to Scotty? Whereas a Raptors fan is going to say, what is Scotty not doing? Like that kind of stuff. What did you find it a case of passiveness? Did you find it uncomfortable in spots? Did you find that he was limited? Did you find that he was passive? What was your point of view? I thought it was a mix of, you know, just, you know, the, the zone was kind of just, you know, putting him in flux, kind of making him, you know, should I shoot this? Should I not? And I think it was passing this a little bit too much, a little bit too. Um, in the last game, you know, it was C ball, like I'm, I'm putting it up. Like, cause like that was the game. He, I think he had like, um, I think he shot like 15 threes or something. So seven, I think he seven was, for 15. Yeah. Seven for fifteen. So um, I feel like this this game today he wasn't really being as aggressive as like he was in the last game. Um, just you know constantly putting pressure on the defense and just constantly hunting hunting his shot his own shot. And you know today I thought the Celtics you know they they actually gave him a lot more attention than they did last game. You know when especially when he was coming off screens you know they were pressing up on him you know making sure not allowing a pull up. And even on the threes that he did have, you know, they did a good job just making sure he had no airspace to shoot and, you know, just contesting, which is the ultimate sign of respect. You know, he's made a tremendous leap as a three-point shooter this season. So, um, you know, um, it's it's a tough it's a tough team to, you know, to get your game yeah. off against. Um, they threw a lot of different coverages, a lot of different looks, you know, to everybody. And, you know, it just kind of just put, put the half-court offense for the Raptors in, in a – and a bit of a standstill. So, you know, you, you can't really, um, I can't, I can, you can't really like, um, you know, blame him for not being aggressive, you know, because the defense today I thought was very good. Um, but uh, at the same time, you know, you, you would like him for to be more aggressive, you know, um, but uh, at the same time, you know, he did a lot of good things today, um, you know, rebounding, you know, I thought in the, in the shots that he did make, he, he was very aggressive. Um, and, you know, uh, obviously, you know, you're going to have games, you're not going to, you're not going to be super consistent every game, you know, you're going to have like some slow, some slow stretches of, of, of basketball. So, um, you know, it's not the end of the world. Um, I, I still, I, I still believe, you know, no matter what the season is, I think he'd be on my all-star ballot. Yeah, um, big so, time. um, for sure. And, um, uh, are you voting? Yeah. Have you done it? Cause they're coming I, I have- for you. Um, I haven't done it yet, but uh, I, I'll definitely uh, try to. You'll, try you'll to have it. some. You'll have some fans. I think he's yeah. definitely worthy of an all-star selection. Um, sure. Phoenix plays E says I can coach a middle school team to bust a zone more effectively than this current Raptors coaching squad. I don't <laughs> think you could, but I think that there's something here. I've looked at like Nurse. I I did this breakdown during the 2021-22 season on. For the now, you know, Yahoo Sports, they no longer have a thing up here for Canada. Um, But anyway, I did this video kind of breaking down how the Raptors attack through zones. And a lot of it is just like pin in screens in the corner or disguised flares. 
they don't run a ton of cross screens. And I think that's also the case with the Raptors, you know, now under Darko. And I think that cross screens, if you have a ball handler like Emmanuel quickly can be one of the best ways to initiate and bust his own to get into the middle. And honestly, like if you time it correctly, it's like all about timing the drive with the cut, lining those two things up. Where is Drew being pulled from with a live dribble? Where is Porzingis stepping up from? Based on that kind of stuff, you want to have a read, like have a cross screen. If they if they play like skinny, go wide. And then you create different angles to make that pass to the middle. If they play wide, go skinny, punch directly into the middle of it, start making cuts and see where they respond. One guy, collapse it from each side. There might be a three open. We know they aren't hitting tonight, but at least like that's the process. There's a bit more motion to it. Whereas the Raptors, I think they got stuck in this game above the break a lot of the time, not punching into the middle. And I understand it. Go ahead. Yeah. um, I thought like, um, you know, completely like, you know, a a quick tangent, but like, I felt like in that third quarter, there was a moment when they were up seven. I thought, I think, I think they just got, I think they forced another turnover and it's three on one and, you know, they turned and Scotty, like, instead of, you know, go, I think it was maybe IQ, I, on the on his right Scotty side. in the middle, IQ on the right, Pascal and on the Pascal left. On the left. On one. And then, yeah, and um, you know, Tatum's kind of kind of predicting he go left on the left side, but and he you know he guesses right. I think that if that's two points, if that's two points rather than just a turnover, I think the game completely flips. But you know, they go on the other end, they get two point, uh, the Celtics get two points, and they stop the run. So I felt like that that completely changed the 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 momentum in this game but yeah that was that that was a strong indicator to me that like scotty was out of sorts in his read against the celtics defense because scotty i think is one of the best open court decision makers in the nba Mm -hmm. like he's like pascal has been a great transition player for years and years and years but he doesn't like hold a candle to scotty with a live dribble because scotty with a live dribble the way he pressures the basket with a bit more force than pascal is like Guys will sit on Pascal and try and contest it at the top. But Scotty's going to make you meet his body and he's going to pressure the rim. And if you keep like, you know, pedaling back, he'll put you in it. He's yeah. really strong, you know, and to see like that passiveness and then to bail out and have Jason, who was already leaning out of the lane to not take it into the rim. I was surprised. And there are also a few other playmaking decisions he made in this game that just ended up in. Uh, ended up in turnovers like he had four tonight. And I think that's a big indicator that he was out of sorts, not just the the lack of volume as a shooter, but stuff like that showed up and it was like, damn, tough game for Scotty. Still been the, the best Raptors player this year, still an all-star, but a game he won't be happy with. And I assume he comes back better than ever, you know, against, you know, Miami and Chicago, but we'll see, man. But yeah, back to the back to the zone. I think that the Raptors could stand to try more stuff. But maybe considering Precious is gone, OG's gone, Malachi's gone, RJ and IQ are in, they've practiced twice or three times. That's it, I think. They may not have that many things to like. They might not have the structure of the zone that they want to run through, or they might not be that comfortable, especially with Yakum not being there. So there's extenuating circumstances, I guess. But as far as uh, excuses, hey, man. You can you can always find excuses. Uh, Andre donates five dollars or 
I don't know if donates is the right word. Andre gifts five dollars. Thank you, Andre, uh, for supporting the show. Um, I guess we'll see what happens. But another loss. Do you have any final thoughts on this Raptors team and the Celtics game before we get out of here? Um, you know, uh, on the zone. Um, you know, this this might be a good. You know, this might be a good way. To, you know, when they when they watch film tomorrow, because you know Wednesday they will be playing Miami, who. It's going to run a lot of, it's going to throw, definitely throw out a bunch of zone concepts. So, you know, maybe they learn something from this game, you know, kind of just implement those, uh, those adjustments, you know, because Miami's a heavy zone team as well. So, you know, while Boston isn't like a crazy zone team, but, you know, to this game might be, might get them, might be able to get them ready for what's coming on Wednesday. But, uh, uh other than that, um, a fun game, uh, uh, eight and oh under Missoula against the Raptors. Um, so, it's fun. It's fun that when our chat, it's fun, especially because I'm the lone Celtics fan in our chat. So, uh, you know, you know, the fun. Raptors, I don't think they've won a game in the Atlantic division that so far this season. They haven't. Yeah. I think, the, I think the Oh, and 10. Oh, and 10. Yeah. The broadcast said they were Oh, and nine coming into this game. So, uh, Oh, and 10 now. Sheesh. That's, that's nasty. Very, that's very <laughs> bad. This Consider- team, they used to run the Atlantic division, man, yeah. for a long time. They did. They, they got a lot of banners that they don't end up hanging. But like, yeah. good lord, zero and ten. Zero and ten is very bad. Um, yeah, Missoula's zero eight and zero against this team. Uh, in his tenure, I think, uh, which is pretty crazy to pretty crazy to see. <laughs> but well, your uh, your Celt your Celtics are eleven and one in the division. Yeah, I think their only loss was to Philly. That was like early. Yep. So, yeah. Right. And um, but yeah, it's it's. It's nice to get a win against the Raptors. Uh, our buddy, another Trey, one. Our buddy, our buddy, our buddy, uh, Trey. He guaranteed a victory. Call, call him Trev. Call him Trev. Trev. <laughs> <laughs> he guaranteed a win today, so uh, I, I wasn't able. I wasn't able to respond to that, but uh, you know, um, but yeah. Wow. Sorry. So, sorry, Trey. Sorry about that, man. You maybe you maybe you can get him to give you like we're doing a pull up tray episode this week. Maybe you can get him to give you an apology or something like that. You'll have to haggle him. <laughs> wow, he guaranteed uh, a win tonight. Yeah, he said we're gonna win. I, I, yeah, I'm I'm sure it's in the it's in the chat somewhere. Hmm. Um, it's in the chat somewhere. But yeah, I don't want I don't want I don't want to leak too many effort, too much information. <laughs> I don't want <laughs> right. Yeah, you're like, hey, no, it wasn't me. Um, wasn't me. okay. Uh, Baker, thank you very much for hopping on. It's been an absolute blast. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but your Twitter is BakerFresh35 off the yeah. dome. Mm-hmm. If anybody wants to follow Baker for insights on Twitter, um, some about the Raptors, more about the Celtics and Wizards, but lots of stuff about the Raptors and NBA at large, BakerFresh35. For myself, uh, the best thing you can possibly do is just uh, subscribe to Raptors Republic. Come hang out at the live show February 6th. It should be an absolute blast. And like the video right now as you're sitting here watching and listening, it's totally free. It takes no time. It helps suggest this conversation to other people, helps grow the channel, et cetera, for free. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I think that's about it. Joe Tully. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Baker. One more thing. Uh, shout out, Samson. Shout out our buddy, Espanya Berahini. Shout out, Trayvon Heath. Uh, business mogul. Business mogul. <laughs> uh up and coming up and coming journalist uh makai bruce uh um shout out hoop goose uh that's our that's our front that's our best friend shout out tim shout out josh codanera um shout out all you guys i love you guys 
Yeah. Big, big shout out. Um, Joe Tilly has a question about Darko's use of the lineup in spite of the short bench. I will talk about that next game. If it happens again, I'll include this as well, but we're getting out of here. Baker, thanks for giving all the lovely shout outs, ingratiating yourself further with the friend group. To everybody listening, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed Baker's outside looking in presence. I certainly do. It's much easier to talk about these types of games when I'm not sitting by myself being like, damn, they shot four for 32 from three. That's crazy. Um, From myself and Baker, thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you for being so kind and insightful in chat. And whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.